1: This is
2: an ABC podcast. Good player,
3: good player. Who thought of this one? You're listening to the Out of Sanctum podcast.
4: Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. Dead from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Seven. groundbreakers,
5: history makers. Welcome back to the Outer Sanctum podcast for another season. We are so thrilled to be back doing the pod. I am your football-loving... Host Emma Race, and as always, I am joined by my gorgeous Sanctum sisters. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hello, Nicole Hayes here. Hello, Lucy Race here. Pumped Alicia sometimes. And we have the voice of God from the um, <laughs> producer studio also joining us today. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Tess Armstrong. Yay! Yay! We have just um, arrived in the studio post AFL WW Awards, the <laughs> W Awards, mm. if you're hashtagging them. It was an amazing night last night, Erin Phillips, a clean
6: sweep. She Mm. took home every single award there was to take home. Imagine being that good. It's incredible. So Coach's Award, the MVP, Best on Ground at the Grand Final. A Grand Final medal, like a Premiership medal. And the W Award. And the W Award. She was
5: rocking a flat shoe last night. There were some amazing things. We were so fortunate to be there. I was hosting the
0: Coral Carpet, which I kept calling the Red Carpet. Well, Which I was fair. watching as I was cutting up carrots the whole time. I was cutting I couldn't go to the awards last night, but I was, you know, you were on my phone and I was, you did such a great job. I filibusted.
5: <laughs> I just filibusted for half an hour.
6: I would like to know, and I'm sure the listeners would like to know, how well did you go at recognising footballers when they are not in their football playing kit?
5: It was the worst. Mm. I was sweating bullets. I swear to God. I was looking at players thinking, you look so much like you. Bowers but you're wearing something fancy and your hair's not in a top knot and I I really struggled. I really really struggled and I hope people playing along at home did, didn't pick that at didn't all. Didn't you
0: have a Tony Hale behind you like in Veep? I wish oh.
5: I did.
7: Saying, okay. That's
5: Maddie Prisparcus. I'd love
7: one of those in life. Wouldn't that be great to have him just well he's a bit creepy but you know a person. <laughs> I'd, I'd love Tony Hale to be <laughs> doing that for me.
6: I had a really embarrassing moment. I don't know if it was embarrassing but talking to Bree Davey. She didn't have a top knot she had her hair in a ponytail and I Talked to her about how long her hair was for so long. <laughs> <laughs> like, and
7: it's... how different did Hanine look without her frizz? Like her full, she looked gorgeous. Hanine
0: but... was the first person I saw
7: that
5: took
3: her shoes off yes. after oh, the no. awards she ceremony. The scene, did she, you then? Then?
0: do that famous thing when you bump into someone and go, "You're Chelsea Randall"?
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, but a few people would talk to us and they're like, "Oh, who are these boring yeah. middle-aged ladies?" And then we'd say, "Like, oh, we just we do a podcast called The Other Sand. and they're, like, "Oh my god." I was wowed that the Sanctum was repping with the, you know, I love a branded microphone. <laughs> and I was holding the AFL microphone thinking, are they going to live to regret this? Like <laughs> they've handed it to me. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say here. But this was the thing that was shocking. I mean, it's shocking to see athletes in fancy clothes, it right? Is. Everyone made such an effort last night and they were amazing, right? The funny thing is this. The, there's nothing that says a competition is in its fledgling state more than the fact that when I spoke to people, I didn't ask them who they were wearing because in most cases, people are like, I borrowed this. Sam Lane was wearing a former a bridesmaid's dress that she had from five years ago. Um, Debbie Lee said, I rented this, my wife mm. rented this for me. And she yanked out an oldie. She said that she hasn't worn, worn for years. Yeah. Ange Pippos. Ange Pippos pulled something out from the back of the cupboard. Even um, speaking to Amanda Ferugia, who was wearing a spectacular dress, mm. and I don't know much about dresses. She goes, This is a whatever the designer's name is dress. And she goes, but she didn't give it to me. I rented it from this lady who lives around the corner from me, <laughs> and so nothing speaks more mm. of where this competition is at. There is commercial opportunity sitting mm. right there
7: for like these supermodels are walking the red carpet wearing Hello outfits. Couture. Well, this yeah. is
5: my thing. It hasn't it hasn't hit the coral carpet
7: yet. There's definitely an opportunity there that's waiting to be exploited. And what were your big moments from the W Awards, Nick? Well, probably. I mean, it was just extraordinary to see that sort of the honouring of Aaron Phillips. It just right across the board. But seeing the highlights of the year, you forget. I mean, I know it's short as that season is, it does feel like a long time ago, week one, and to watch the highlights in the goal of the year and the mark of the year. And, but I just loved being surrounded by all of these incredible women who have just fought the good fight for so long, whether on the field or off, and just the celebration of being together. I'm going to get teary again just thinking about it. It was amazing. Lucy? I was so happy to see Maddie
6: Prasparkas win the Rising Star. And all of the rising stars and and so many of those first-year players have just been a joy to watch. And so many of them, they don't get the, you know, come in and just play a game or two. A lot of them played seven games and a lot of them were in the midfield and so working really hard and you know playing against champions like Aaron Phillips and having to be accountable and that was just a really extraordinary thing to watch this season. And so I was rapt to see all of their nominations pop up on the screen. I was so happy to see Maddie Pris Barker's win and she's such a she's such a footballer. <laughs> she's such a footballer. And she's, she's really shy, isn't
7: she too well she
6: is but she's also And and I know that we talk about this all the time, but there's such an authenticity about the female footballers and the way that they speak and the joy and the energy that they bring. And I really appreciate that genuine kind of enthusiasm and, and I really just don't ever lose it.
5: Mm. What about how she's the best first-year player and she's also in the All-Australian? That, that speaks <laughs> That's so much to Unbroken Pathways. Mm. Alicia, when you saw that it was 53,000 people at Adelaide Oval, what did that do to your heart?
0: I was teary and I was sitting there watching it just going, I knew that it would be big but not that big. And it's really interesting when you're watching Twitter as, as you're watching the game and the transport minister of South Australia has to come out and say, oh, yes, we'll put more transport on because we didn't mm. expect this much. No one knew. But it's like we knew, we felt it. And Mm. I mean, you had a combination of winning things like Adelaide was a favourite. It's their home ground. Um, You've got all those beautiful stars. But something like that just makes you say, this is what it's all about. And you know, so many people flew Mm. over. Mm. So many people got buses. So many people spent a fortune going there. Daniel Harford said this is one
6: of the most significant moments in Australian football history and I think that really sums it up. It did break records. For me, that was like a love letter from the fans Mm. to the game.
5: It's funny you should bring up love letter because I've been sitting on this piece of information since um, seven weeks ago I think when I first found this out but Tess Armstrong, who is our producer, who is an amazing football mind, the ABC, I mean we couldn't be lucky to have her producing our show and to be our colleague and friend Mm. but her dad has been embedded in football forever. And Tess grew up, you know, running around the cattery and she knows all the nooks and crannies and every gate and every door that there (laughs) is. But she recently revealed to me that her dad kind of created Vic Kick, which went on to become Oz Kick. And a lot of the women who were on the coral carpet last night, that was their moment. That's where it really started for them. And that was a love letter that your dad created
8: for you and your siblings. Tess, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel really proud. It's been interesting to watch dad's journey. We've been involved with football since I was born. I was born into the competition. I was born into those gross locker rooms. You know, you go, oh. <laughs> it stinks like deep heat and it stinks Delicious. like sweat. And I'm running around trying to come up with games to play, you know, to keep myself interested. And also, the least glamorous thing in the world is waiting for your dad to come out of meetings after a big loss on a Friday night and then have to drive back to Geelong. And we're oh, the grim times. But Dad had got involved with Vic Kick. He was big into grassroots footy forever and he's still involved with footy. And I think when we were little, my brother was a very talented footballer and a lot of uh, the talk was about, you know, him playing, him coaching, all of those things. And I think now I'm the keynote in my family.
5: It's amazing. Last night, Erin Phillips was talking about, you know, what it was like when she was born and people said to her dad, was a champion footballer. football, you must be disappointed. And mm. she said, I hope I've made you proud and you can stick it right <laughs> up your jumper. But, you know, we've heard that. I've heard that my whole life being a third born daughter, my dad, you know, you must be so disappointed and, and then having three girls and a football-loving husband, he hears that all the time and it's so offensive it really and Erin really took that to the mm. gender police,
7: you know, you know yeah. those kind of comments last night. And I think it's also why that moment on the grand final when she clearly was hurt and done for the game and was being transported off the ground that is one of the biggest sporting moments, mm-hmm. I think. I will never forget that feeling. And there's something about her, the way she epitomises, one, the fight that so many women, even women today who are playing today in the AFLW are, are having every day just to be able to show up, fighting for their position every week because it's such a short season, fighting for you know fair pay and fighting for time, for access, all of these things. She epitomises that, but also she is basically the best that women's football can be. So to have those two mm-hmm. kind of perfect yeah. the symbols tensions. of women's yeah. football, the, the potential as well as the struggle and yeah. to have that kind of encapsulated in that very emotional moment, that's why players from or across both teams came to her. That's why she got a standing ovation. That's why I'm getting... Emotionally just thinking about
8: it. And one more thing on, one thing that makes me emotional too on generational change is this AFLW season, my niece, she's turned five. I've been trying to get her to say go Tigers since she was a (laughs) tiny little child and I've been completely poisoning her mind to try and get her to be a Tiger. But this year I took her to her first AFLW game in Geelong and she saw the girls and her world has just completely opened up. She is obsessed. She took a little footy record on the plane with her on a a holiday. She asks non. Stop questions while we watch the footy, which kind of drives me nuts, but also <laughs> I love it. But she can't get enough of it, and it's so special.
6: Looking back on the season, it's given us so many iconic moments. They're going to be etched into history. The 53,034, <laughs> am I right? Yeah, something i yep. yep. um, I mean we're I not good with then. numbers, but no, that one's going <laughs> to. We don't do stats and facts, but that's a big um, one to you remember. You know Taylor's that. kick, but that moment of Jess Edwards mm-hmm. um, going to Erin Phillips. Mm, yeah, Emma and I were talking about this this morning as we came into the studio, and we talk a lot about mateship. In when we talk about men mm. and we talk about what it means to show sportsmanship and be a good bloke, and to be a good bloke. And I think what we saw on the weekend was something that we recognize and we get to experience all the time, which is the strength of um, support and the bonds. And we call it the sisterhood, but in, at a time when The discourse sometimes around the way that women relate to each other isn't always positive. Mm. Especially powerful women. Powerful women Mm. and, you know, in the social media age where we sometimes talk about um, the negative aspects of competition, I think what we saw then was the genuine, uh, we're in this together, admiration that players from different teams have for each other. Mm -hmm. It's so genuine. Mm. That actually will be something that stays with us.
0: Yeah. A friend of mine, a male friend, went to the footy this, this year for the first time for the AFLW and he said, oh my God, it's more passionate and a whole lot nicer. <laughs> How true is that?
5: Speaking of passion, um, Shiloh Curtis has been on our show, on our radio show, which has been, magically turned into a podcast um, for your human ears. I mean, this competition doesn't get to where it is without the passion of Shiloh Curtis. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know how she fits so much passion into that teeny tiny little... She's a pocket She's a pocket. She's Polly
6: pocket She never stands still. Have you noticed? No. She rocks on her feet. She's always on the move, that's for
5: sure. She's very vigilant. But hearing her on the ABC Grandstand broadcast was so emotional. And if you haven't heard it, take a moment.
8: I'm a bit speechless actually there. It's a pretty special competition and it's been quite emotional an emotional day and I feel quite emotional right now actually. But to see little girls and to see older women have their dreams realised and for someone like Erin Phillips to have had the opportunity to do that today is uh, pretty amazing. Not only play a game of footy like that but... A break a record for attendance when people said to us constantly no one's ever going to want, want to watch women play football and we saw 53,000 peop, 53, people turn up today just to do that. Um, it says a lot about what people have wanted for such a long time. Women and girls have wanted for such a long time and so if you can't, uh, if you don't have a statement about what we want moving forward, 53,000 people said those words today. So so many moments from today that will, will be etched in our memories um, for, for, for many years to come and it's um, what a great what a great thing for
5: our country to have something like this. I genuinely think that Shiloh may never have
7: anticipated that she would see that in her lifetime. No. Mm-hmm. no. That's what that sounds I'm like. I'm sure she'd given up. There would have been times when it was I mean, it was only a couple of years before that it was considered laughable. All the big names were saying no one's <laughs> mm-hmm. ever it, it, no one cares.
0: It's living proof of not denying people things, isn't it? Yes. Why it is. Why not why deny What's them the logic this behind an amazing
5: it? Mm-hmm. game? Coming up, we are going to address a really unfortunate thing that happened in the AFL. M, uh, last weekend, and we will also be paying tribute to an amazing doggy who hangs up his boots. But first, we went to the MVP Awards, which is a really lovely. The AFLPA have been really great to us, and they always invite us into the MVP Awards, and it's a beautiful, really intimate moment at the end of the season to see its peer recognised, which seems... It's just so bold, those moments, seeing people get recognised by their peers. And as Lucy just talked about, the sisterhood is very strong. There's nothing more... Like it's such a beautiful vibe in that room. And we were lucky enough to go along on Monday. Hilariously, Chelsea Randall didn't make the flight. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> when you have a Sunday night grand final, I was so happy to see her cut loose because I think she's always, you know, so professional. <laughs> so good on you, not making the flight, Chelsea. But um, she won most courageous. We didn't get a chance to speak the to third her year for running. the third year running, which is amazing. And Aaron Phillips was voted the MVP. But there was also some other really special people in the room. The AFL Players Association reached out to us and gave us an Exclusive, and we got a chance to catch up with a whole bunch of players. It gives us such pleasure to acknowledge that Brie Davey, you've just been voted and awarded best captain, and Maddie Presparkis, best first year player. These are very good signs for the Carlton Footy Club. Congratulations, Brie. What does that award leave you feeling inside?
3: yeah look to be honest a little bit lost words I wasn't expecting to be up there because there's obviously a lot of amazing women um, in the AFLW and a lot of amazing leaders in the AFLW and to be peer voted among those women and those sorts of people it's just incredible and I'm very humbled and very very honoured to be able to take out the award and Maddie, how does it
5: feel to have been given this award as voted by your peers
1: yeah, well, obviously I compete against a lot of the other girls. Um, a lot of those girls I've played nationals with. Yeah, I'm very honoured to win this award because I know that any one of those, them girls, could have been worthy of winning this award as well. You
5: also got to play in a grand final in front of the most ridiculous number. It was 53,000 plus people.
1: I just remember running out, and the fireworks scared me at first. But then I looked around and. I was just like, wow, and tried to block it all out. But at the same time, I think for so many of us girls, we've never played in front of crowds like that before. And um, yeah, it was just an unreal moment and um, something that I'll never forget. I'll just never forget looking at every seat full. And um, yeah, that was definitely one of the best days of my life. Bree, do you ever have a sense
3: of being part of history? Oh yeah It's something I guess You don't really think too much about Until you reflect on it At the time it's just You're there to do a job And and you walk out And you you know Your mind's at where it needs to be Which is on the footy I guess when you reflect um, It's absolutely incredible What we've been able to achieve Over the last three years As an AFLW group And even when you look at AFL men's They've been around for a long long time And it took them a while to In a way get to the big crowds that they get And we've hit 50,000 in three years Which is just incredible Definitely one of the best days I've ever had as well
5: it was a real classy moment when the Carlton girls went up to Erin Phillips on the stretcher as she was being taken off the ground. I think it's going to be a moment that really stays with the sporting community at large. And Maddie, what do you think about that moment?
1: Yeah, well, obviously as a younger player and um, any player in the AFLW, obviously everyone looks up to Erin, and I was privileged enough to be coached under Erin in one of our NAB Academy years and. Um, she was one of the um, mentor coaches that year and um, I think she's just a great person on and off the field and I was very intimidated when I first met her and I didn't know she'd speak to me or not and um, yeah she was a great person and when I turned around and I realized it was Erin and um, she didn't get up. I was a little bit shell-shocked and um, I knew something was wrong then. And, like everyone else in the stadium, was heartbroken. Heart goes out to her and hopefully all goes well for her. We thought it would be a little bit fun for you guys to have a little moment together. We've written you some questions that you get to ask
5: each other. Not that you don't already know each other really well,
3: but let's see how
5: this goes. Do you want to go first,
3: Bree? you got a question there for Maddie. Yes, okay, Mads. What always makes you laugh?
1: I don't know. A lot of things make me laugh. I think when I walk into training and I look just... At about anyone, I just giggle a little bit. But when Shay Audley walks into the change rooms, I can't help but have a little bit of a giggle. Um, she just walks in and she's either got clothes on or she doesn't realistically. So, yeah, a lot of things make me giggle these days. All right, have you got a question for Bree? Where do you keep your rewards, Bree? You've obviously got a lot, so um, tell us. <laughs> I actually still live with
3: family, so mum and dad have a proud stash of all of our kids' awards up in the living room, which is a bit embarrassing. Alright, have you got one more question there for Maddie? I do. What's the first thing you want to eat post-season?
1: Yesterday I got a Krispy Kreme donut and I was hanging for that the whole time, so as soon as the final siren went and we got to the airport, and I downed a donut. Alright, what's your last question for Brie? What player in the comp would you like to bring to your
3: club? There's many amazing players in the AFLW. Um, But one person I'd love to play with is Aaron Phillips. I think, obviously, you guys asked before a little bit about the moment yesterday, and I think it just is a credit to her as a person and how well respected she is but yeah I don't know what it is but she just great football obviously but just also a great person and I think she'd be awesome to play alongside
5: thank you so much and congratulations and up the baggers thank you
8: up the baggers
5: (laughs) hello Courtney Cramie congratulations premiership winner how
4: you feeling this morning oh I'm still getting used to hearing that but no I'm feeling feeling okay the voice wouldn't suggest I'm feeling okay but no it's unbelievable to wake up again premiership player
5: when was the most moment when you, in the words of Maddie Persparkers, she really
4: shit herself. Did you shit yourself? I actually think when they put up the crowd number on the on the big screen 53,000, um, I reckon uh, there was one girl that had the ball and one girl chasing the girl that had the ball and they were probably the only two on the oval that weren't looking at the scoreboard and seeing that massive crowd number. At that point it was a bit in awe and um, the crowd went a bit wild again seeing that number and uh, South Australian footy fans are fanatical and we saw that yesterday and I'm sure there was a, a lot of uh, Victorian support that crossed the border to come and follow Carlton as well. So it was just an unreal feeling at the Oval, um, historical day for for women's AFL and an historical day for um, women's sport generally. Putty often throws up the highs
6: and the lows and you kind of had that yesterday because seeing Chloe and Erin be injured was devastating.
4: Yeah, look, even this morning, Erin um, not being able to be here to accept her award, it, you know, it does draw on those emotions again and thinking about what her future holds and... Um, to see someone like Chloe Shear go down, who's also had a um, done a knee before, um, it was just it was a heartbreaking moment. Um, and we sp- we speak about the highs of how how massive the crowd was and how loud they were, but um, I've never heard or seen or been in a moment where it was just um, so eerie as well. Um, a big silence around the um, around that whole stadium when Aaron went down. So it's a it's a really sad moment, and I I get a bit. Um, yeah, get a bit upset thinking about um, the hard work that those girls might need to go through um, to get back, but um, that is football, and um, they're great people, and I'm sure they'll get through it. Um, growing up playing women's football, um, it's been something that we've we've always been caring for each other and wanting to see each other succeed. So, it's really special. I'm not sure um, many other sports have it, but um, yeah, to see uh, the Carlton girls get around Erin as she was stretched off um, was really amazing, and. I was actually on the ground near Katie Loins, who's obviously done a a couple of knees herself, and um, we were just talking on the field and in the the heat of battle about how sad it was in that moment. And, yeah, it's very rare that um, opposition would talk like that on the field together.
5: Megan McDonald, um, we spoke to you at the start of the season and nothing could have really prepared us for what you brought to the backline this
2: season for the Cats. Congratulations. What's your overwhelming takeaway from this season? Oh, wow. Had a, had a pretty good year. Um, I think overwhelming takeaway for me is I'm really stoked to be part of of Geelong. Unfortunately we fell away at the end of it but I think that's the nature of a a new team in our first year and a developing list with a lot of young girls. So I went to the grand final yesterday and I see what Adelaide have been able to do after three years and I'm really confident that we can do the same if we hold on to the talent that we've got and everyone's pretty driven. So overwhelming takeaway, great season, onwards and upwards.
6: Speaking of some of the young girls we've seen Olivia Purcell burst onto the scene. What can you tell us about her?
2: She is fiery, that's what I would say. And it's the best, you know, and that really helps her footy. She's, um, I think, shouldered an incredible load. It's in her first year and she's played in the midfield and taken the brunt of the midfield load for, the, for, you know, for eight games straight. She's just a little jet and I can't wait for her to be joined by you know, Nina again and, and everyone else coming into the, through the midfield.
5: Finally, Meg Mac, you've rebuilt yourself. You've come back. It's an amazing story. Like, there will be a feature film made about Meg Mac 2019. When you got named in the All-Australian squad, what did your parents say?
2: My mum's finally getting around footy. I think, you know, the success of Geelong, she can get on the Geelong bandwagon. She sees how much, I think, hard work I've tried to put in and then and reap the rewards of that. So um, mum was very excited. Dad's asking me if I'm recruiting more cats over the weekend. I'm like, yeah, Dad, I'm trying. <laughs> Dad's always looking oh, to the next Dad. thing, isn't he? I went to the granny yesterday. I come home to a text message, did you recruit any cats today? I try, Dad. <laughs> I try. Hello, Courtney Gum. Former, M- You've just handed
5: the MVP award over from... Last year, you're basically in an Aaron
9: Phillips
6: sandwich, is that right?
9: It's sort of, it's gone from Aaron to me, back to Aaron,
5: so maybe that means, maybe, no, actually, (laughs) I'm officially retired. One thing that we very rarely talk about, which surprises me on this podcast, is the convergence of parenting and being a player. And I have recently spoken to a couple of players who have been saying, well, if I don't get drafted next year... I'll have to have a baby because my time is on me. You've got a young family. How much is that a consideration for your retirement conversation?
9: Actually, a really, probably, it's probably the most um, poignant um, com- uh, topic of conversation for us because. Definitely the plan for us as a family is to go on to have another baby. We have a modern family. Um, so Chrissy had Buzz. Um, um, it's my turn. So, uh, yeah, that was a big decision for us. So Buzz is four. We didn't want to leave the gap too big, um, you know. So um, very much we our family comes first. So um,
6: that's the next step. You've played um, all of the games in this season and last season. Did you ever think that playing football at the elite level in this country would be something in your future?
9: No, it's flat out no. So, growing up um, back in the 80s and 90s, I football, AFL football and elite football was not at all on my radar and even playing when I was in my late 20s it wasn't on my radar and really it wasn't until 2016-17 when they announced the AFLW that I thought oh maybe I might just sneak in.
6: Mentioned in your speech today your mum and how she felt about you playing football <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about her?
9: Yeah my mum's lovely
6: I'm pretty sure she doesn't
9: listen to this podcast. Rather conservative, hates my hair being short and every time I get it cut, it's too short. Yeah, she just um, didn't think at that point in time that me playing football was appropriate for a girl and for her it represented... I guess something that wasn't a good thing it's amazing she's just a really good example of how things have changed because she is so happy for what I've achieved so happy for what AFLW has become and what it's become for women in sports and I really think that AFLW competition has done that across the board in such a massive way it's really amazing.
5: Given that you have announced your retirement and maybe you'll still play footy somewhere or something, you'll go on to new and exciting chapters. What's an indelible moment that will stay with you as a real highlight or a real awakening moment from your last two years? Very honestly, one of the most amazing
9: moments for me, actually, that I can, I guess, um, recall most recently is when I did um, know that I was retiring. And at the end of the game, obviously, we were ahead against Geelong and I was sitting up at the, the forward line, loving it. And I did actually take a moment in the last couple of minutes to um, look around and really take in the crowd and the environment and really consider that how lucky I had been to be part of this and get to experience it and and then following on from that you know um just the support from the girls and to get the win it really was just a kind of quite a euphoric experience I guess when I in my first season being part of a team of like-minded women finally you know when I was always kind of this obsessed community level player that was so competitive and a bit like um a bit too competitive for community level and to be part of like-minded women who were all striving for the same thing was just um, amazing. The reality is that it is a sacrifice it, it is um, there are financial sacrifices there's lots of personal sacrifices um, that the girls make and even just in terms of um, putting study aside or not really working in their chosen profession, quite a few sacrifices currently that probably need to be changed and quite quickly. And hopefully with um, the 53,000 people crowd, you know, hopefully that's a really good indication of where it's at and where it's going.
6: One of the things that we talk about a lot at the Outer Sanctum is cheering people off. Now, we've always wondered if you have designated carriers that are, and it's all planned beforehand, or whether it just happens. I can
9: give you some intel. This is how it happened for me. Tanya Her- Hetherington, so one of the vets, said, Gummy, I know you're retiring. I think we should chair you off. And I was obviously an adamant, no. You know, I've played for two seasons. You know, I don't really have an esteemed career to be chaired off for. No. I thought that I'd gotten away with it and then at the end, um, I don't know how, but I don't even think Tanya was carrying me. She must must have rallied a couple of people to, to carry me off, probably with my size being the, I think, the biggest and the bulkiest and probably the same size and, and that's sort of how it happened for me. But
5: it did, there were conversations about it beforehand, which I think there has to be. Thanks for really breaking some news down for us here and giving us the scoop on that. Courtney, we have loved watching you play and... We're nowhere near your age, but for some reason we, we've always felt like you were flying the flag for us older ladies. And we'll, we've really enjoyed watching you. We're going to really miss you from this competition. Enjoy not having this pressure on you anymore. <laughs>
9: Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. And I, what you guys do for the AFL Women's um, is phenomenal. It's the players and, and the likes of you guys that really push it along. So thanks.
4: I'm Kiara Bowers, and you're listening to The Outer Sand
5: one of the interesting conversations that I had last night at the W Awards was with somebody who has seen the Adam Goods documentary that's coming out mid-year. I think it's going to be a really harsh mirror that is held up. If you haven't heard about it, there is two documentaries coming out about Adam Goods and one of them is a clipping together of all of the actual media reports around the booing, I've spoken to a couple of people who have seen it and I haven't seen it, but I think it's going to be a real moment for the AFL and it's going to make us look incredibly not very diverse Mm. and it's going to really hold a mirror up to coaching panels, to commentary boxes, um, to the way that we really haven't embraced Indigenous voices in this game. But more than that, it also, I think Eddie Maguire is probably going to have another peak moment in his life that he would rather forget. And, of course, he had another one um, on the weekend about the coin toss. One thing that I would really like to talk about with Eddie that always comes back to me is the concept of moral licensing. And we've talked about it on the podcast before, but if you don't know about moral licensing, it's basically the act of thinking that you can get away with saying pretty hideous stuff over here on one hand because you give your time to social justice Mm. causes on the other hand. And we do see that a lot with Eddie. Surprisingly for someone who apologises a lot, he's not getting any better at it. And I think his golden era might be over. I, th- I think that society is passing his voice by. And I think that that's what we, why he keeps having these hiccups because he genuinely isn't evolving beyond where he's come from. And I've heard lots of excuses about why he said what he said. And I don't for one minute think that he was being pointed but he was being careless mm. and and you actually have to be really careful with your words these days and, and so do your producers. And so it does bring back for me the concept of nothing about us without us. If we're going to have entire commentary boxes that look the same with people who are, you know, really just cruising and they've been there for so long and we know Eddie owns half the platforms that he's on. He has no one above him. He has no bosses. He does need to be more careful and he's not and I don't think he's evolving beyond that but also it made me think, Tess, specifically at the ABC, we have so many policies about inclusion and our charter says that we need to always have a really balanced conversation. We try to do that here but what did you think From, from a producer Perspective. This this has become a hot button for um, platforms that Eddie's on.
8: It certainly has. It actually filled me with first of all workplace stress. You know, when you hear things that happen, and I feel a lot of empathy for the producers and the people involved um, in networks when things go wrong, but one of the worst things that you can do is not reflect on how that went wrong and change that for next time and they just don't seem to be doing that. It's one of life's great privileges to get to work in footy media, right? This is a game that we love, that we love talking about and it's a pretty fun life and I don't think for a second we should take for granted that we get to talk about footy for our jobs. It's so We're so lucky. But with that comes a responsibility that you reflect the people who are watching your coverage or listening to your coverage properly and you don't take them for granted or assume that that you know everything and that your audience has nothing to give or that a diverse audience has nothing to give to you. And one of the things I always think about with Eddie's gaffes is the laugh-alongs. So on that panel, there's not someone on that panel that says... Ah, oh, steady on, or or doesn't laugh, right? There's a lot of laughing along that worries me because it it seems to me as though there's a lack of diversity in where people are coming from. So diversity isn't just that you know there's a there's a woman on the panel or there's this people think differently, people are able to challenge one another. That's what makes good radio. That's what makes good good tally. We can all be better. We can all learn, especially those making programs, can learn to be better and can try and invite new voices into our coverage and also can think about why we're talking about that in the first place. So if he's not actually across the detail of who's doing the coin toss, who's responsible for making sure that the hosts are across the content that they're about to be talking about. And if they're not across the content, they don't need to talk about that. Lucy? I think one of the positives
6: that I have noticed is that I think we're at a moment in time when people are starting to demand more of commentators and the way that we talk about the game and then outside of sport as well. That's a good thing. I've heard people... I actually heard someone call into commercial sports radio um, during the Taylor Harris photo um, and comments saga basically say one of the things that hadn't been talked about is the fact that there has been so much trans hate that was part of that discussion and that we need to do better and we need to be thinking about the harm that all of these comments and the way that people are um, using their language, um, that the harm that it's doing, and we need to do better. And I was shocked to hear that in that forum. I was also shocked to hear people call into the same radio station and actually say they think Eddie needs to lose his job over this.
0: I think uh, from the beginning that it is about grace, that uh, y- if you're a commentator, you just need to think about where your level of funny is. And I think what Tess said is amazing, that you people just laughing along but it it does come down to just this person came out tried their best at no point doesn't matter if we don't know the name why make fun of anyone? And that's Mm-mm. the level, yeah. that's the bottom mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And this goes to a bigger thing about people saying, well, you can't say anything anymore. You can't comment. <laughs> no, what, what from what base are you commenting mm. on? If your level of funny is to degrade people, mm. how is that funny? That is the main point that it is about grace.
5: That occurred mm. to me as well, later, because as Tess was saying, it's such a privilege to talk about this game for a living. It really is and you're really showing your level of privilege when you're going someone. The coin toss would be the most amazing moment yeah. for a fan who doesn't get access to the game yeah. in the way that people like Eddie Maguire and, and, and us now do. Like it is an amazing yeah. moment mm-hmm. and and it's been ruined. Mm. It's been absolutely ruined. How humiliating, it, how degrading, and how
0: awful that this is a conversation. It could land on someone's head. It, and doesn't, it's matter. Fine. it doesn't matter. It takes a little mm. while, but it's that thing of it's it, your sense of humour coming from denigrating someone yeah. instead of making them better. And
7: I think that's where that sort of idea of ribbing each other has somehow turned into a really nasty digging. And I think that echoes. That's because of that echoey bubble where there's all of the same voices as Tess talked about, but also it really highlights the difference between the commentary or this great divide between the fans and the commentary and how far removed the commentaries come from the grassroots, from those people who the whole game exists for. It does not exist without the fans. And so whether um, it's somebody who's, you know, the number one ticket holder and has a disability or whether it's a six-year-old who just gets an opportunity because his name's pulled out of a barrel... The game is for the fans, Mm. and when you see these people in these boxes having conversations that feel like they exclude us, where's the fun in that? Where's the joy? Where's the kindness? What happened to kindness? You Mm. still can be funny. Yeah, you still can be silly, ridiculous,
0: have a laugh, and like you say, reach out to the fans without being mean. Mm.
6: Yeah, I think we also need to acknowledge that we're not very good at recognising and calling out and getting rid of ableist language Mm. and this is a bigger conversation that needs to happen particularly around AFL. Um, We've had coaches and players use disability slurs in the past and we haven't done a good enough job in terms of sanctioning them but more importantly, talking about why that kind of language is harmful and how we can do better, and I really hope that that's an area that we really start to look at.
5: And we say all that, and I'm sitting here knowing that we can't service our hearing impaired um, colleagues, like yeah. friends yes. in the in the outer, because we can't transcribe the podcast, and we have tried. Um, mm-hmm. And that is a great sense of shame for me Definitely. that we can't open this podcast up to people who are hearing impaired. Mm. and um, But I think that, you know, when you're looking at football clubs, they are trying to diversify. Eddie's own club is trying to diversify yeah. Yeah. and including, you know, Hawthorne talks about their all-abilities team and there mm. is going to be um, a vision-impaired Um, football competition competition this year. And clubs are recognising that we don't need to send this game to India and to China China. to Mm. get more fans. We just need to throw the doors Mm. open and that's what the sanctum's all about. And we feel that. The feedback that we get from our listeners and from our fans demonstrates that time and time again. Okay, this week we saw Liam Picken, um, who is a Bulldogs champion, hang up his boots. And I've got to say, Liam Picken and his family... I'm going to say led by Annie Nolan, who Mm -hmm. is his amazing wife. They have really, they've really redefined. I mean, from the minute that Annie stepped onto the red carpet in a tuxedo rather than a dress, um, she she got tongues... Wagging. Yeah. Oh, did you say what I did that <laughs> um, But more than that, this is a woman who we first met her when she was trying to build a, a 3D wheelchair for her rat who was elderly and couldn't um, walk <laughs> anymore. But these big-hearted people have really changed the conversation and Liam's really led, he's led in and his voice has led in LGBTIQ mm. space in football, also women's football, diversity of thought and also when he led us into mm. his um, recovery from his concussion, which mm. is such a huge challenge mm topic. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to see him hang up the boots, it's a moment that I really do want to celebrate this amazing man.
7: 32 years old, eight years of the Bulldogs um, and culminating, I, I think we have to say, in that incredible grand final with Specky. Mm. I mean, like he, he stepped up in a way, you know, that I I think you'd want any player to be able to do. Um, I was listening to Bob Murphy say that he was such a popular player amongst the other players, but really, really shy and hated any attention. And and every week they'd have this award for a, the signed football, the match game every week, and they'd give it to um, the best player voted amongst the players. And it got to the point where Liam Picken had so many of these, he literally had <laughs> them falling out oh of his closet. And he, <laughs> I thought it was a lovely story. We'll he's have just to a kitty He's sometime. a player, player. He's the players' player. I just also
6: would love to remind everyone that the role that Annie Nolan played in that first Pride game in Hamilton. She's somebody who really does the work at mm-hmm. gra- grassroots as well. And she's someone, you know, you talk about learning, making mistakes and learning. I have learned so much from following Annie on Instagram. She has such genuine relationships and is somebody who is always so generous in terms of bringing people along with things that she's learning about. That's just a great way to be. Yeah.
0: I love her top ten moments of <laughs> Liam's <laughs> yeah. career, if you haven't seen it on social media or on many platforms. It's just so funny. It, one, highlighting the great man, but also uh, just <laughs> making <laughs> fun of him a couple of times too. <laughs> they already there wore
5: his no... football
7: shots backwards. Right. <laughs> that was so
5: good. Do you know what I love about it is you see these, this real equality between them as a couple. Mm. that I'm not sure that we've always seen um, football couples kind of represented like that and it's not been about the way that Annie looks and it's not been about how well Liam plays. It's been about the discourse has been about so many other things in their family and I think it's a pretty big impact to let people in on. I thought Liam was really brave and I imagine there was some pushback from the Bulldogs when he was demonstrating what a concussion is really like for him and his rehabilitation through that. There's been an interesting story that's come out in the age today, Alicia.
0: That's right. Former Crow Sam Shaw, who retired prematurely due to concussion, has launched legal action against his former club and its team doctors as well as... As other medical specialists. Uh, he retired in 2016 after playing 24 games in a seven-year career. He had a lot of hamstring problems and other notable uh, injuries. This is really going to be interesting and it's a watch this space mm-hmm. to see um, about liability and about responsibility for his injuries.
7: And I think yeah. the management of concussion is probably the biggest subject that Well, I'd say the AFL's been quite afraid to talk about and I don't think that they can hide any more.
6: It was fascinating to listen to Peter Jess speaking on the ABC morning show in Melbourne during the week and talking about how deficient he thinks the testing around um, return to play is. Yeah. It's a topic that goes from elite all the way down to junior ranks and parents with kids playing face this as well. We need to do better and I think it's going to be one of the big stories, sadly, mm-hmm. going forward. In the AFLM...
5: Like, Sorry, I'm bringing up AFL-M. <laughs> oh, I yeah. just wanted to say AFL-M because the AFL-M has started for M. the has year.
7: Yeah. Um, no, there's two weeks in. Yeah. For Tigers fans, it hasn't begun yet. <laughs> <laughs> We're still waiting. For Hawks fans, it almost did. And then we decided mm. maybe not so much. <laughs> no, take another week off.
5: Um, the M has been a really interesting um, source of contention. Of course, we've always pushed the M barrow here, devised and kind of created, I, I want to say, by our own Dr. Kate Sear, who um, we did give a nod to her in the the last podcast um, about the origins of the M, which for us started when we were back at the age in 2017. But the M, you were on a panel with Bob Murphy, Nicole, and you were talking about, um, (laughs) and then the next day we saw him write an article that was, by the by, it was about men's football, but he called it AFLM.
7: So I'm sure that's the first time he's used it, but I remember kind of doing that whole on the panel, hesitating and then thinking, no, this is, we're going to own this space. And so I I looked him in the eye and called it AFLM multiple times that night and then Magically, the next day. I'm not saying it was me, but I think it was me. I think (laughs) it was you. And then
5: from Little Things, Big Things Grow because then, of course, the next night we heard Bruce. Bruce say AFL that was wild M it every was time wild. someone
0: says AFLm an angel gets its wings
7: <laughs> no question
5: <laughs> and in in true um, bumper sticker style which that should actually be um, we have got to the end of the AFLW season and of course the next thing that's going to happen is trade period. Hug, hug your loved, loved ones. ones. <laughs> we are quite serious. Trade week, hug your loved ones. It just creates so much instability for the players and for the mm. fans. And so it's going to be a really tough time. There'd be some people who would know that that's probably coming. And so it's a, probably a happy time. If they didn't mm. get a game, they know that there's four more franchises coming in. Mm. So it's really possible. But it's going to be a tough time for these players who are mm. probably back at their day jobs with hangovers. But it's know? exciting
7: too that there's two-year contracts coming up now. So that can give them some more stability. And especially for these players who have to move into state and make life choices choices that a lot of other um, sports people don't have to do.
6: It was funny last night that, you know, so many people were celebrating the end of the season and there were a number of list managers who exactly. actually
8: had clipboards under their arms oh. and, like, eyes darting around. Like, and I, this will be the last thing i say about Richmond for the rest of the year, I promise. <laughs> no, <it won't>. but <laughs> no it won't. The Tigers haven't even got a team yet. They haven't done a push yet for members, but they've already got 1,000 people signed up for their women's memberships, nice. already paid up members, yeah. and all of that money is going to the women's program. So look out. My
6: husband is one of them. Did Can't you hear like the crazy.
8: news that AFLW Breakfast,
0: that Susan Alberti, had raised $60,000 and I just think just with the Tigers fans who get behind their team, as as so many others do, that there's so much love for AFLW and there's so many people willing it well. So
6: many love letters. Mm. If you look, you see them. They're like in the people buying memberships for clubs that aren't their club. They're in the people who... Create merch. Create merch, Uh. yes. High leg tees. We didn't talk about that. High leg tees. Um, They're in the people who get a bus to Adelaide two weeks in a row Yep, with the people who make signs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There are so many love letters and we see you and we sign that letter with you. We sure Mm. do.
5: And actually speaking of actual letters, we have received so many emails at the end of AFLW season. It's like people write to us and just pour their hearts out Mm. and we've been so grateful. Um, This will please you greatly, Tess, is that (laughs) I met the VFLW Richmond best and fairest and um, runner-up on Sunday night. They were at the Carlton Celebrations and I just want to give a huge shout-out to both Jess and Jackie who... Ah, uh, hardcore Sanctum fans. I think that's probably, they don't have a tattoo of us, but I think it's not far right. away. It's quite possibly not far away. They invited me to their wedding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Something that happened last night that made me so laugh, i my head off, was our own Felicity Race and Nicole Hayes. <coughs> Cheeky as you like. They ran around to the tables at the AFLW Awards and they stole the name tags (laughs) off one certain table. We are now the proud owners of some name tags. Alicia, do you want to read out what name is in front of you right now? I'm Gillian
6: McLaughlin, Lucy. I'm Caroline Wilson, <laughs>
5: and Nicole Livingston, <laughs> and I'm Steve Hawking. We're going to put all of this on our, on our Insta or Facebook. I'm just sitting um, there. They're just sitting there. We took them as a little bonbonieri, yeah, a little exactly. celebration of the end of the season. I think that's the pod for today. It's so nice to be back potting, mm.
0: isn't it? It's like a f- pair of comfy shoes.
6: Yeah, it's I feel nice like to we can just. Back. We don't have to wear pants.
0: I can go back into fidelity now because I've been, you know, my infidelity is huge with AFLW. I like this person, this person, this person, this Mm -hmm. team, this team, this team. Now Mm -hmm. I can just focus. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
5: There's nothing left to say except for...
1: Go footy!
4: ACAS
5: powers the world's best podcasts.